Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, is a celebration of what he came to do for us. That's what Easter is all about. It's what he came to do for us. 2014 years ago, Jesus Christ split history into A.D. and B.C. It was his resurrection that divided all of history. The issue that I want to talk to you about today is why he did it. Why did he do it? Well, there's a verse in the Bible that's probably the most famous verse in the Bible. Most of you can quote it, or at least part of it. John 3.16 tells us why. For, because, because God so loved the world, and you are a part of that. He loves you. He loves you today. Everybody say this with me. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible. And Pastor Farrell tells me so. Amen, amen. You are loved today. You are loved for because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him doesn't add anything else to that, should not perish, will not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life, and that means go to heaven. Did you know that 85% of Americans were asked what they believe about Jesus, and they said, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe he is who he said he was. Isn't that amazing? 85% of Americans. But not only um, did they ask them that question, but they asked them what it meant to be a Christian, and the definitions were many and varied. Because you see, not everybody who claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ is a true follower of Jesus Christ. Now, next Sunday, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the definition of a Christian. What is a Christian? Not what the world's definition is or your neighbor or some great theologian or some great teacher in some school, but we're going to look at what Jesus said a true Christian is, and that'll be next Sunday. I hope you'll come back uh, for that message. In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus lets us know that not everybody who says his name or even calls him Lord is actually one of his followers. Look, not everyone who calls me their Lord will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only the ones who obey my Father in heaven will get in. And we'll talk about what that means more next week. But I wanted to mention that by way of introduction. Now, in your seat today, there's this little card with some fill-in-the-blank. And so we hope you'll get that and fill-in-the-blank. Left you a little space there to put some notes in uh, uh, for the message today. And, and I tell uh, folks all the time, if you want a copy of my manuscript sermon that I preach from, I'm always happy to give those away for $10. No, I'm kidding. Give those away for free. So my, my email address is feral, F-E-R-R-E-L-L, at bridgechurch.cc. That's my email address. And any question you have or anything um, that you want to uh, request as it relates to my sermon, I'll be happy to send it to you. Now, in Matthew 7, 21, here's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, to know if someone is one of my true followers, you have to observe, of course, what they say. You have to observe what they think. You have to observe how they feel 
But most of all, you have to look at what they do. The Bible says, James, the half-brother of Jesus said, in chapter 2 of the book of James, verse 14, if people say they have faith but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. Can faith like that save them? And the answer to that is no. So here's the deal. You either know Christ you genuinely know him and live like it, or you think you know him but don't live like it, or you're here today, like all of us were at one time, investigating him, investigating his claims, investigating his words, and you haven't decided yet. And I want to go ahead and tell you that if you're here today and you're trying to figure out this whole Jesus, Bible, God, church thing, and you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one today. So right over there in that corner, there's a sign. It says, Belong, Commit, Grow, Serve. There are free Bibles over there. And uh, you have an opportunity to pick one of those up. If you're witnessing to somebody, if you're talking to somebody about Jesus, and you want to give them a Bible, we've got them right over there. Pick one up and take it to them. So every person, and, and this is important that you understand this, every person is going to live eternally somewhere. Every human being, every one of you sitting here today, you're going to live eternally somewhere, and we want you to live eternally in heaven. That's what we want. That's what this church wants. That's what I want for you, and you're going to leave this earth one day, and uh, we want to help you uh, make sure that when you do, you spend eternity in Heaven. Faith is kind of like a diamond. It's got a lot of different angles to it. So today what we're going to do in this message is look at five different angles of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus, what it means to have faith in him. These aren't in any particular order, so just fill it out. Now, the title of our sermon series is Duped, and it's about Satan. We've been doing a series on Satan, and uh, the first three messages were directly about him, who he is, uh, a theological um, teaching on the doctrine of Satan, what his plans for us are, how we can defeat him. And we continue that today. We talked about Palm Sunday and Jesus coming into Jerusalem on the back of the donkey last week and the palm leaves and what all of that meant. We encourage you to go back to our website, and watch any of our past sermons absolutely free. You can watch those sermons. Plus, if you can't sleep one night, they'll knock you right out. So plug in uh, to those sermons. And then today, we're going to continue this whole idea of how Jesus brought total defeat to Satan. Jesus referred to the cross, of course, many times before he got there, and one of the times he referred to the cross and referred to his death on the cross, he said, when that happens, when I die on the cross and when I rise from the dead, the enemy, Satan, will be cast down. He will be defeated. So as believers in Jesus, we don't pray for victory. We pray from victory that's already been won for us. And the people said, Amen. So number one, number one, let's talk about this whole thing of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. A true follower of Jesus, uh, number one, will live out his example. He's our example in how many things? Everything, all, everything, all things, yes. Who or what example, I want you to think about this, 
are you following? Who or what example are you following? Because if you don't make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, if you don't make a decision to follow the right model, then the media will decide that for you. Culture will decide that for you. Your peers will decide that for you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that the world's pressure, societal pressure, will solve that for you. Uh, Some influencer in your life will decide it for you. Here's what God says. God says, wait just a minute. I don't want anybody else telling you how to live your life. I'm God. I made you. I created you. I'm the one who should be telling you how to live your life. And God is saying to us here today, don't be pressured into some mold of what other people think you ought to be. Here's what God is saying today. I want you, I made you, rather, to be you. God said, I made you to be you. Quit trying to be somebody else and be who I made you to be. And then he sent Jesus, and you can read all about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He sent Jesus to be a perfect model for us and how we're to live our lives. You know, I uh, have a lot of friends who um, were seeking success and significance and fulfillment in their life, but they didn't think they could find that through Jesus Christ. And I've noticed that a lot of times uh, when people get to about 40 years old, they'll realize that the model they chose for their life was not a good one. It was inconsistent and ineffective, and a lot of times they end up broken, broken people. They end up discouraged. They end up depressed, friendless, lonely. Why is that? Because, again, they were looking at and following the wrong model. Here's what one man said. One man said, when I was climbing the ladder of success, I thought everything was great, but when I got to the top of the ladder, I discovered I had it up against the wrong wall. And I invested all that time and energy in the wrong thing. Let's look at what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 13, 17, anybody here want to be blessed? If you want to be blessed, just give me a wave up here. I want to be blessed. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, you want to be blessed? You want to be blessed? You will be blessed, and God doesn't lie, does he? You will be blessed whenever you what? Everybody say it. Right there it is. Right there it is. If you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to get this. God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to just honor him. He doesn't want you to just respect him. He doesn't want you to just tip your hat to him. He doesn't want you to just be courteous in your conversation about him. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. He wants a relationship with you. When he says, follow my example, that implies let's walk together. I want a relationship. Let me give you two benefits. We're still under number one. Let me give you two benefits of following Jesus. Number one, you're going to get understanding. I need some understanding. This is a confusing world we live in, isn't it? I mean, I watch my television and I hear people talking out of both sides of their mouth sometimes in the same setting, talking out of both sides of their mouth. We live in a confusing world. But when you come to Christ, when you give your life to Christ, things are going to get clearer for you. You're going to get some clarity. Confusion will dissipate. 
You'll have more direction. You'll have more focus for your life because you will be serving your creator. You will be serving the one who made you. As a matter of fact, he said, before you were even formed in your mother, he said, I already knew you and had a plan for you. Look what he said in John 8, 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in confusion, darkness, murkiness, because you will have the light that what? Leads to life. So number one, you'll get understanding. Number two, this is number two under number one. Y'all with me? <laughs> All my outline people that out there, y'all with me? You'll not only get understanding, you'll get strength. Anybody need some strength? You'll get a solid foundation on which to build your life. You're going to have storms in your life. Have y'all noticed that? I mean, I'd love to stand up here and tell you like I've heard some TV preachers say that if you can get your faith to a certain level, you'll never be sick. You'll never have financial problems. You'll never be in another valley if you can just get your faith up here. And I would preach that except for one thing. It ain't true. That's bad English, but it's awesome preaching right there. It's not true. You're either in a valley, you're either in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm, or you're about to go in a storm. That's life right there. That's life. Now, let me tell you about storms. Sometimes you create the storm for yourself. Sometimes you're like Jonah. And you create the storm because of your rebellion. But sometimes the storm you're in doesn't have anything to do with what, you, what you've done. There is another story in the Bible where Jesus sent his disciples into a storm and they hadn't done anything except obey him, do what he said. So you're going to get in storms and a lot of times what the enemy wants to do is say to you, that storm is your fault, your fault, your fault. Well, the fact is it could be, but he wants to blame them all on you. I'm standing here telling you, you're going to go through storms in your life you didn't have a thing in the world to do with. Here's the good news. He's with you in both kinds. <laughs> Most of the storms I've been through in my life, I created them. Y'all look real holy right now as I said that. Y'all got little halos and but I created most of the storms I've been through in my life. But God loves me so much, he walks, through me, walks with me through the storms I created, not just the ones he sent me into. He'll come walking on the water to you no matter what kind of storm you're in, whether it's financial. Some of you are having financial storms. Relational, marriage, children, friends, health storms. Some of you have had a bad report from the doctor. Storms of loss and grief. Me and Miss Millie, you know, we just lost our son about three weeks ago. And this morning she was leaving the house and our kitty cat was in the road. Somebody had run over our kitty cat. Now, I love my kitty cats now. <clears throat> and, you know, that's loss and grief. And um, God walks with you through that. He's made himself so real to us. You know, uh, losing Mitch was the deepest valley Millie and I have ever been through in our life, the darkest time we've ever been through. But you know something? We've seen God clearer because he is the light of the world. We've seen him clearer. Have you ever noticed that, that the TV screen is a lot brighter when you turn all the lights off? Now, I know some of you are so holy you don't watch TV, but just take my word for it because I do watch TV. <laughs> 
And uh, when you turn all the lights off, you know, the screen pops out. And, and that's kind of how Jesus is. The darker it gets, the brighter he shines. Amen, amen, amen. What a good word right there. So uh, you've got to ask yourself, what is my source of stability? Because I'm going to go through emotional storms. I'm going to go through all kinds of storms. So what is the source of my stability? If I don't have a solid foundation, I'm going to get wiped out. So here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24. All who listen to my instructions and what? Follow them are what? Now, if Jesus could have said, all who do not listen to my instructions and do not follow them are dumb. But he didn't say that, but he could have. Like a man who builds his house on a what? Everybody say it. Solid rock, solid rock, okay? All right, number one, number one. What does it mean to be a genuine follower of Jesus, not a phony follower? It means I got to live out his example. I got to look at how he lived and I got to try to live like that. Am I going to do that? Am I going to match Jesus? No. But you know what? He's such a great example. If you'll just try to walk like he did and live like he did and talk like he did, you're just going to become a better person every day of your life. And the people said to that, number two, you've got to embrace his grace. Embrace his grace. What does that mean? Well, let's look in Romans chapter 5. Who wrote Romans? Anybody know? Paul wrote Romans. Paul. He's one of the Beatles, too. And a lot of people didn't know that. There's somebody here right now going, I did not know that. I'm wrong. See, here at our church, this is our theme. If you're not confused, you're not paying attention. All right, listen. Romans 5.17, when you've got to be on it like that, it means the last part of that verse. Did you know you can actually divide some of the verses of the Bible and they don't, lose their, they don't lose their significance, they don't lose their meaning. This is one of those verses. He says, but now those people who accept, here it is, embrace God's full grace and the great gift of being made right with him, that, what a great gift that is, being able to be made right with God. Isn't that a great gift? Will surely have true, not false, not fake, but true life and rule through, there's only one way you can rule, there's only one way you're going to come out at the end. Uh, I told you at the beginning of the sermon, everybody's going to live eternally somewhere. If you want to rule in heaven uh, with him and also on this earth, all that's uh, eschatology, uh, teaching of the last days. But if you want to rule with Jesus one day, then you've got to accept God's full grace. You've got to accept that. What is grace? Grace is when God or a person does something for you you don't deserve. I like this definition. Grace is when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. Now, here's the reason we don't understand grace. Because we don't give much of it ourselves. Isn't that true? I mean, I heard about this guy who was going down the road and a policeman pulled him over because he was speeding. And he was an umpire for a community softball league, and the policeman pulled him over and was giving him a ticket. And he said, please don't give me a ticket. He said, if you give me a ticket, my insurance is going to go up. He said, I don't normally drive like this. I promise if you won't give me a ticket, I won't ever drive like this again. And the whole time he's talking, the policeman just keeps riding. He comes up with all these great excuses. I remember one time, highway patrolman pulled me over. I don't know why. Pulled me over. <laughs> I thought he wanted prayer or something. <laughs> Pulled me over. 
And I said to him, I'm a pastor right up the road. He said, well, if you'll slow down, you can give your money to the church instead of the state. That's exactly what he said to me. So, so somebody else had pulled the preacher card out on him because, buddy, he was ready. He was ready. So, yeah, Millie was, uh, found out she was pregnant uh, with Brandon, I believe, the very first time. And she was going down the road, and a policeman pulled her over. She was just crying. I just found out I'm pregnant. He gave her tickets and said, I'll be praying for you. He was a Christian. He was a Christian. But she got the ticket. So, so this guy's saying, hey, man, please, please, please. But the policeman wouldn't show, wouldn't show any grace. And he said, look, if you don't like the ticket, you think it's unfair, you can take it to court. So a couple weeks later at a softball game, the umpire's there, and, and he's ready to call the game. And this guy walks up to hit the ball, and he recognizes him. It's that policeman. And the policeman recognizes him right off the bat. And the policeman says, hey, uh, how'd that ticket thing go? That guy said, I'll just say this to you. You're going to want to swing at everything today. <laughs> See, we know, how to, we know how to ask for grace, but we don't know how to give much grace. Uh, you know, uh, again, grace is when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve, because if he gave us what we deserve, he would have nuked us like one of those bug zappers a long time ago. Amen? I'm so glad he gives us what we need. Everything you have from God is a gift. Your freedom. It's gotten unpopular to be patriotic. Well, I'm a little old-fashioned. I'm still glad to be an American. And you might say... You might say, well, I'm not from America. I'm from another country. Well, you ought to love your country then. And... Uh, and let us love our country. We're not, um, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Got some terrible things in our history that we did wrong. But I still love this country. I thank God for my freedom. I thank God for my life. I thank God for my life with my wife. I thank God for any talents he's given me or gifts. I thank God for my friends and my health. I thank God for the very air I breathe because they are gifts from God. Every one of those things are gifts from God to you. I love this statement right here. I love this statement. Write this down. It's so simple. It's so simple. But you ought to write this down. We're under number two. God made me to love me. That's why you were made. Have you ever looked in the mirror and go, why did God even make me? Maybe a downtime in your life, you were really down. Why did God even make me? Why did he even, I wish he hadn't even made me. Let me tell you why he made you. He made you to love you. He made you to love you. He loves you. He wants to love you. You say, well, I got bad stuff going on in my life. Where's the love? He's waiting for you to submit to him. Submit your life to him. You say, well, I've messed up a whole lot in my life. You see, when it comes to blowing it, when it comes to making mistakes and committing sins, here's what God says to you about your sins. God says, I'll forgive you for everything you've ever done wrong, even though you don't deserve my forgiveness. See, that's grace. He goes, that's the reason I gave my son Jesus. That's the reason I gave Jesus. All you have to do, this is what God's saying to every one of you right here now, all you got to do, to have eternal life is trust in my son. 
who I gave to die on the cross and raise from the dead. Trust him. Look at Romans 3.22. Who wrote Romans? Paul. Now God says he will accept. He's talking about us. He will accept and look at that legal term like there, that lawyer's term. What is that word? Acquit us. And then he tells us the meaning of the word acquit. Declare us not guilty. Not because we're not guilty, but he'll declare us not guilty because he is the awesome ultimate judge and he can declare us not guilty but there's a there's a little word right there anytime you see the word if it has a condition every promise of God comes with a condition so God says I'm going to I'm going to declare you not guilty if you will trust everybody say it Jesus Christ to take away your sins and we all how many of us can be saved in this same way. What is that way? He goes over it again. By coming to Christ, no matter who you are, low on the totem pole, high on the totem pole, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, no matter who you are or what you have been like. That means what you've done. No matter who you are or what you've done. Catholic, Protestant, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal, Buddhist, Mormon, Muslim, Jewish, Hindu. Or you might be here today going, I don't have any religion at all. You see, it isn't about religion. It's about relationship. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter what your religion's been all your life. I'm telling you right now. Jesus Christ is standing with his arms wide open saying, come unto me and I'll give you eternal life. God's grace says to you, you messed up a few things. It's okay. We'll start over. And this time I'll help you. You're probably asking, Pastor, how do I access this grace? How do I access it? It's very simple. It's very simple. Now get this. How do you get this grace? Here's what you do. This is all you got to do. Admit you need it. Because see, our pride wants to tell us you don't need grace. Because you're better than that guy over there. It doesn't matter who you're better than or worse than. All of us are lost. All of us need Jesus. All of us are broken. So you're never going to be able to access this grace. You're never going to be able to access it until you admit you need it. You've got to swallow your pride and say, God, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life. The Bible says this in Mark 10, 15. Look what it says. Unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a what? You'll never get in. You'll never get in God's kingdom until you humble yourself like a little child. When a little child is in need, a little child says, help me, Daddy. Help me. I need you to help me. And that's how he wants you to come to him today. Just say, I need you to help me. And he will run to you. He will run to you. Number three, number three, the third thing that it means to really believe in Jesus is you got to give your life to him. you got to give your life to him. Look at what Paul said again, Romans 6, verse 13. Paul says, do not let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness. Don't let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness to be used for sinning. But give yourselves how? To who? How much? 
Every part of you, for you are back from the death, or back from death. In other words, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but Jesus gave you life, so you're back from death, and you want to be tools. This is what we want for our life. We want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want for your life? You, you want to give your life to him and then let uh, him take you up in his hands like a tool and build his kingdom. See, that's what you want. Can I tell you this? The, everybody's looking for adventure. Everybody's looking for excitement. Everybody's looking for, you know, we're all kind of bored with life and we're looking for excitement. I'm just being honest with you today. The greatest adventure in a person's life is to be used by God for the purpose they were created. I'm telling you. I'm tell you say, oh, come on, that's religious talk. I'm just asking you to try it. Come to him. It'll be the most adventurous life you've ever lived. The greatest thrill in life is feeling, the feeling of being used by God for the purpose that you know where you were created for. Let me give you three levels of life. The lowest level, the lowest level of life is survival. You know people like that? I mean, they just got their nose above the water and they just survive from day to day. That's the lowest level of life. I know a lot of people who have lived like that. But then there's another level called success. And a lot of you are sitting here going, that's what I'm looking for, man. I want some success in my life. But i got to tell you, the successful life is not the highest form. It's the middle area. You say, well, what's the highest life a person can live? Not survival, not success significance. See, you want your life to be significant. You want to make a difference. And you can't make a difference, really, until you become a tool in the hand of God. And you can't become a tool in the hand of God until you give Him your life. Matthew 25, 29. Look what it says. To those who use well what they are given even more will be given. And they will have and what? Abundance. I'm all into abundance, aren't you? But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Even what little they have will be taken away. What's he saying here? Here's what God's saying. He's saying, I've made an investment in you. I gave you my son. I turned my back on my son that he might die in your place on the cross and be raised from the dead. I gave you my son. He gave you his life. Now give your life to me and let me use you. And let me let make your life an adventure. Let me make your life a thrilling life. The fourth thing that, we, uh, that, mean, that it means to really believe in Jesus, number four, is rely on his wisdom and strength. And this is really important. Rely on his wisdom and strength. Look what it says in Colossians 2, 6. And now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too. Isn't this good? So you've trusted Christ and, and you've become one of his followers, but a lot of times we stop right there. He says, don't stop there. He says, you trusted Christ to save you. You're one of his children. Now you've got to trust him, too, for each day's problems. Oh, boy. 
This is where so many Christians, so many followers of Jesus drop the ball. I mean, we want that ticket to heaven. We want that ticket to heaven. We want, we want that salvation. We want that relationship with Jesus. What we don't understand is that he's not going to just give you abundant life in heaven. He wants to give you abundant life now. He said, he said if you will come to me, I will give you life and that, what, more abundantly, which meant the here and now, not just heaven, but the here and now. So he is really, Paul wrote the book of Colossians 2, and Paul says here, you've trusted him to save you, now you've got to trust him for each day's problems. And, and live in vital, you have to live in vital union with him, so you can trust him for your everyday problems. I um, heard a story about a man standing on the side of the road. He had a big old pack on his back, big old bag, and it was full of heavy stuff. And it was on his back, and he was standing on the side of the road, and he was kind of struggling like that. And this fella came along in a horse and wagon. And he said to the fella, he said, hey, uh, jump up here. I'll give you a ride. Jump up here. And so the fella said, oh, man, thank you so much. This, this bag is so heavy. Thank you so much. It's so hard walking with this thing on my back. And so he got on the wagon, and they started down the road. And the fellow who was driving the wagon looked over at his new friend, and he still had the bag on his back. He said, hey, brother. He said, drop your uh, bag back here in the back. And the fellow said, oh, oh. He said, you're giving me a ride. I couldn't ask you to carry the bag, too. Hey, listen, that's what we do. We let Jesus save us. We let Jesus save us. We get on the wagon, but we hold on to our problems. We hold on to them. God, I, I got this, God. I got this, God. Because see, a while ago when I was telling you it was a thrilling life, an adventurous life, some of you Christians were sitting out there going, it ain't no thrill for me. No, it's no adventure for me. That's because you got on the wagon. You let him save you, but here's where you're messing up. You're not trusting him for each day's problems. He wants you to get up every morning and ask him for wisdom and strength. Faith is not about trying. Faith is about trusting. It's about trusting. Living a significant life is about trusting God's wisdom and strength for your daily life. And some of you are at the end of your trying. You're thinking about your marriage right now and go, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. You're thinking about school and education. You're thinking about relationships, business, finances. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I'm tired of trying. I'm at the end of my trying. I don't want to try anymore. But see, when we get to the end of our trying, that's where Jesus meets us. Jesus meets us at the end of our trying. And he says, trust me. I'll lift you up. I'll help you. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you strength. You see, wisdom is what to do. And strength is the power, the strength to do it. You need both of those things from God. You can't get those things by yourself. You can't get those things by trying and trying and trying. Stop trying and start trusting. You say, well, how do I know when I'm not relying on God? You're telling me to rely on God. How do I know when I'm not relying on Him? One word. Worry. Worry. When Pharaoh Hardison starts worrying, that means I've stopped trusting God. 
You say, but you do worry, don't you? Of course I do. Of course I do. But when I worry and it keeps me awake at night and I just lay in turmoil and I just go through the course of a day in turmoil, you see, that's when I've taken it on me. That's when I've said, God, I'm cool with you saving me. I'm cool that you've saved me and I'm a Christian. But if you don't mind, I'll handle each day's problems on my own. Let me tell you what worry is. Worry is when you reach into tomorrow and get hold of things you think are going to happen bad and pull them into today. And the Bible says in the book of Psalms, your frame, your makeup as a human being was not meant to handle tomorrow and today. That's why people break down. That's why people take meds. And I'm not against meds and all. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But I'm just saying a lot of times if we would learn to trust Jesus and quit reaching into tomorrow. I'm preaching to Farrell Hardison here. Amen. Good preaching. I'm talking to myself. Y'all just, I'll be with y'all in a minute. Um, so when you reach into and you pull it into today, see, your body can't handle that. Your mind can't handle God said, I didn't make you to be able to handle you, Here's what Jesus said. He said, sufficient is the day you're living in. <laughs> what that means is there's enough trouble right now. You don't have to go out into tomorrow and get some. You got enough trouble right now. So worry. Jesus can help you with your worries. The fifth thing, fifth thing, last thing. Coming in for a landing. Get a grip on his promises. Did you know there's 7,000 promises in the Bible from God? 7,000. Promises of provision and protection. These promises are to us. Promises of prosperity and power. God promises us his peace. He promises health and healing and comfort. How many of y'all remember that old hymn we used to sing when we were younger? Standing on the promises. You know, if you got an insurance policy and you don't know what's covered in that policy, you worry. What if I have an accident? What if I go to the doctor and he tells me I need surgery? You know what? If you just go ahead and read that insurance policy and find out all that stuff's covered, you'd quit worrying about it. And that's the way you need to treat your Bible. Find out what God said. Find out what God has promised you and stop worrying. The reason we worry so much and the reason we are so, um, our, our life is rife with, with the trouble and worry is because we don't, we don't know what God promised. We don't know our Bibles. We don't know what he said. Now, don't answer this because the answer is not what you think it is. Is there anything God can't do? Is there anything impossible for God? The answer to that question is yes. There is something God can't do, and it's in the Bible. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. God is truth. Look what it says, Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. When God wanted to guarantee his what? He gave us what? His word. A what? Rock solid. What? God can't. He can't do it. Because if he did, he wouldn't be God. And it's pretty important that God is God. That's deep right there. Write that down. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise, everybody say it, unchangeable. Now, do, do y'all believe God can't lie? God can't lie, right? Everybody we in agreement on that? Then let me read a couple of promises he's made to you. 
John 11, 25, and 26, listen to this. I am the one who raised the dead and gives them life again. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies, shall live again. Anyone who believes in me, this is all based on this right here, anyone who believes in me, anyone who receives me, anyone who accepts me, anyone who gives their life to me, even though they die, they shall live again. That person who believes in me is given eternal life for believing in me and shall what? Perish. That's good news. That's a promise. And y'all just told me because I heard you, God don't lie. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. I love this. I love this. What a God we have. That's just like Peter, isn't it? You know, Peter Hardison, a lot of people don't know that was his last name. Because a lot of times his foot was in his mouth and not on the ground. But anyway, you know the good thing about Peter was when Jesus met Peter, he didn't see him for what he was. He saw him for what he could be. Isn't that great? See, a lot of you are saying, I can't come to Jesus yet. i got to get some stuff in my life fixed. It don't work like that. He fixes you. He fi- you can't fix yourself and then come to him. He's the fixer. He's the one who repairs you. And so he saw Peter not for what he was right then. How many of you are all glad when you met Jesus, he didn't judge you for what you were right then. He judged you for what you were going to be when he got through with you. Isn't that good? He was like, Peter, I know you're a mess right now, but when I get my hands in your life, you're going to be one of the most awesome men of God ever. Peter often spoke, and, and I see it now. Here he is filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the apostles. He says, what a God we have. Matter of fact, when y'all go to lunch, and I know you're going to lunch when you leave here, well, just walk into like Bojangles. I mean, just we'll say Bojangles. Just walk in there, and before you order, go, what a God we have. <laughs> hey, they might think you're crazy and just give you your meal. <laughs> and then when they go, excuse me, and then look at them and go, Peter said it, duh. All right. I'm here to help y'all. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. Somebody say amen. Amen. This father, he's talking about father God. You know, we're Trinitarians, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I know some of y'all go, oh, you believe in three gods. No, one God and three persons. When you eat an apple, you got the core, you got the flesh, and you got the peeling, but it's all apple. Exactly. That's deep, write it down, draw pictures. (laughs) Because Jesus was raised from the dead, because he was raised from the dead, y'all, I know some of you are sitting out there going, where's Easter in this sermon? Where's Easter? Boo, y'all. Because because Jesus was raised from the dead, here's how it affects us. Here's how it affects us. We've been given a brand new life. So when he came out of that grave, you came out of the grave. If you accept him, and we have what? Including a, and the future. That's good stuff right there. Stand to your feet.